charge? Can you hear me right? It's on, right? Yay! Morning, people online. <laughs> I wasn't here last week, so I did not see the decoration until today. And, and as you can see, we're, we just stepped into that season of uh, Christmas. So for the next few weeks, that's where the word will be about, or it would be about Christmas. We're going to touch on a short series about Christmas entitled In Time. So are you ready? Are you excited? This is supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year, right? Every day should be the same for us as believers. But if you're there, like what Ben said, if you're, you feel like you've been beaten up, you're hanging on, give me 20-some minutes, okay? I hope you are blessed with this message, because I was. So let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this season that we celebrate every year. Father, I pray that you would just open our eyes to see what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. In all the years that you've celebrated Christmas, year after year, have you ever asked this question? Go ahead. Put it up. Have you ever asked this question? After a year after year of celebrating, who is this child? Who is this child that we celebrate every Christmas? So today I want to show you just uh, one of the aspects uh, for this week of who this child is. That good? So let's begin with John 1.1. 1, 1. John chapter 1, verse 1, and it says in John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John introduces, not a per person, but it says, this is his introduction, that in the beginning was the Word. So for us to understand who is this child, we've got to first establish or first get to know who is the Word. Why, would John, why did John start with this? In the beginning was the Word. Now, for those that originally received this letter or heard this letter, for them, they knew exactly what John was talking about. To the Jews, the word, word, is something that they know of because it echoes from Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, what do we read and what do we know? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It was the word of God that was spoken, and whatever God spoke, it came to be. So for the Jewish people, they understood when they hear the word word, it is about the word of God, and it is about the word of God in action. And when they, when they put that together, the word of God is really God himself. Now to the, to the Gentiles or to the Greek, it was a little different. They don't necessarily know where creation began, but they, but they do admit that there is order and there is reasoning in creation. What do I mean by that? Take, for example, right now, earth. The distance between the sun and the earth is just full of reason, is just full of order. Because if we were just be a little up, our environment will totally be different. The degree of tilt of earth and how it spins around its axis, why we have four seasons, how it orbits around the sun. All of that we can see as order, as reason. There's a reason behind it. If we would just tilt a little different, our degree, uh, the tilt of earth on its axis, the environment, the atmosphere, everything changes again. So that's what it is. So for the Jews, they understand when they hear the word word, it means the word of God or God himself. And to the Greeks and even people outside, they understand it just to be order and reason. So this is where John begins, and he says that in the beginning was the Word. 
So it's, John is saying that in the beginning, even before creation, the Word has already existed. It is really outside of time. It is eternal. It is in eternity. So that's his first clause of this uh, one single verse. And then he moves on to say that, and the Word was with God. So there is a being called Word that is eternal. Then the second clause that he says is that, and this being called Word is with God. And the word with God here does not only mean that, oh, uh, I am with someone, meaning close uh, proximity, meaning they're, they're, they're right next to each other. But that word with God really means that this word and God were always in constant fellowship. They were always in what we just celebrated earlier, in common union, in perfect relationship. Take note of that because that's important. Okay? So the Word and God was always in constant fellowship. So that's the second clause. And then in the third clause of this one verse, it says, and the Word was God. So there is a being known as the Word who is eternal, who is with God, who is in constant fellowship with God, and who is also God. So that means that the same essence that God has, the Word has. Whatever God is, the Word is, because God and the Word are the same. Amen? Still with me? And then John goes on in verse 2. It says that he was in the beginning with God. So the Word was in the beginning with God. He almost like he wrapped it up all over again. He, he's eternal and he's with God. There's an eternity on the Word and there's a relationship with the Word and God. Still with me? Now move on to the next verse. We're trying to get to answer. We're trying to answer the question: Who is this child? So far, John. All, uh, so far, John has only told us the the beginning was the Word. And verse three of John chapter one it says, "All things were made through Him, and without Him, nothing was made that was made." So all things was made through the Word. Uh, First Colossians, please, to give us more understanding. So in First Colossians, this is what it reads: He is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or power. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. The word firstborn does not mean that, oh, he did not exist, then he was born, then he existed. As we have just said earlier, he has pre-existed. He has existed all through eternity. The firstborn, what it's really saying is that he is preeminent over all creation. He was before all. He is above all creation, which tells us that he is above what? COVID-19. Amen? Okay, only a few people believe that. He is above thrones or dominions or principality, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. He's above all, before all, he's all in all. Amen? So this is the word. And then John moves on, and this is where we, we get a personality of who the word is. Go ahead, next verse, please. Then in John chapter 1, verse 14, John goes on to say, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. For most of us, we already know this, right? So who is the Word? 
The Word is the Word of God. The Word of God is the Son of God. The Son of God is Jesus. Okay? But just in case you didn't know it yet, Jesus is the Word. He is the Son of God. He is the second person of the Trinity. Amen? No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. So John now gives identi- uh, an identity to the Word, which is the Son. In, Christ- in uh, Christian theology, we call Him God the Son. So because He has a distinction as the Son, therefore, it also tells us that there's a distinction of who the Father is. So, the God is the- so you got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen? So what can we conclude based on the, on the scriptures that we have just read? So we started with a question, who is this child? Well, go ahead. This is the point. Next verse, please. The baby born at Bethlehem was God. And then the baby born at Bethlehem was God made man. So who is this child? That's the child that was born in in Bethlehem. That is the child that we celebrate every Christmas. He was God, and he was God-made man. Now, I want you to to see this. God became man, all right? But when God became man, that was something new to him. But one thing that never stopped was that, because, remember, he was with God. The second person of the Trinity, Jesus, when he became man, God, or when he became man, the relationship with the Father never ceased. It was always still there. He was in constant relationship. He was in constant fellowship with the Father. But what did stop was this. Jesus voluntarily did not use his godly attributes. Are you still with me? He was still 100% God, and yet he became man, so he became 100% Man, the only thing he did not use was his godly attributes. And I hope this gets you excited. And why did, why did it get me excited? So that means when Jesus walked the earth, he walked the earth, performed everything that he did as completely 100% human being. So when Jesus turned water into wine, he did not turn water into wine as God, but as a human being. When Jesus walked on water, he walked on water as a 100% human being. When he raised Lazarus from the dead, he raised him from the dead as a totally human being. When he fed the thousands, when the storm was raging and all his disciples were growing crazy on the top, he, where was he, what was the guy doing? He was sleeping on the bilge of the ship. That's how peaceful he is. He did that while he was completely a human being. And this is an encouragement for us, church, because we are believers. If Jesus was able to do all of this as a completely human being, then therefore, we also can do all of this as a completely human being. So the question is, what is then the key that Jesus was able to do all of that? That, church, would be the exciting thing to know. Amen? You know, uh, as the year ends... uh, like what Dan said, some of us were probably be, uh, feeling it like that we're, we're getting beat up. We're just barely hanging in there. But you know, as believe, but Jesus was able to live a life victoriously on earth as a completely human being. So you want to know what the secret is? You want to know the key on how he lived life on earth? It's actually in the passage that we went through already. 
Can you bring back uh, verse 14, please? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Let me show you the key through my story. I was saved back in 1997. Uh, that's when I gave my life to the Lord. It's been more than 20 years that, that, that I've been walking with the Lord. Uh, through a prophetic uh, team that came from the Philippines, they gave, uh, they gave us a prophetic word. And, and I'll share with you uh, four lines of my, of my prophecy. It goes like this. It says, I'm calling you. So God is telling me, I am calling you to a disciplined way of life. I am even giving you my spirit to give you that discipline. I am calling you to a greater knowledge of me. And I am calling you into the secret place. Church, you know that is really a general principle of the call of God. All of us has been called to a greater knowledge of God. Would you agree? Say amen if you do. We are all called into a greater knowledge of God. Because the greater knowledge of God that we have, the greater the relationship that we have with God. So really, this is a general call to be called into the greater knowledge of God. So then back in uh, 2020 is about to end. We're about to turn over a new decade. Back in 2010, while we were in a prayer meeting in our old sanctuary in Mighty, I was with a group of guys, and we were praying together. And I, I heard the, the Spirit of the Lord uh, ask, or tell me this. Ask me for an inheritance. Ask me for an inheritance in the Spirit. You know how long it took me before I asked? It took me two years before I actually asked something from the Lord. You know why? Because I did not know what to ask for. So within that two years, I began to look at the scripture. I went to look for anything that, that says inheritance. So I went to the book of Leviticus. It's like how the priests, the, the Levites, uh, did not get an inheritance in the land, but they got God as their inheritance. So when I saw it, it's like, wow, Lord, that's not fair. <laughs> that doesn't seem fair. Then I came across the... The story of Solomon, where Solomon actually asked God for wisdom. So finally, I figured, uh, 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 I, 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 I kind of figured it out. Okay, Lord, if you're going to ask me for inheritance, then this is what I'm going to ask. This is what I asked God. Lord, since I cannot understand the scripture, then Lord, give me an understanding of scripture. That's what I asked for. I asked God so that I can understand the scripture. It's been 10 years, and so far, so good. Amen? Yeah. So, and, that's, and, 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 and this really began a journey for me. It's been eight years, and it has changed the way I look at things. One of the first things God asked me to do as I asked him, give me, a, give me a, a knowledge of Scripture or give me an understanding of Scripture, is that look for my name. God asked me to look for his name. Write down all my names. So I did. I went through Genesis, and I wrote down all the names of God that I know that I came across. The Lord, Elohim, El Shaddai, Almighty, all of that. God, refuge, all of that. I wrote it down. I, I wrote down where I found it, and I wrote down how many times it was repeated. When I got through all of that, then God showed me that all that name, God showed me that all that name is like a wheel. You know what a bicycle wheel? In a bicycle wheel, you have a center hub, and you got spokes that goes out to the rubber wheel. So God showed me that all that name is really just the wheel, the outside wheel. But at the center of that is the hub. And there God showed me a name that I did not write. You know what was that name? The name that God showed me was the name Father. And then he, he told me that with all this name, the center of all of this is that I am a father. And, and, and when that happened, I consciously made the decision to change the way I pray, 
to change the way I look at scripture. I began to look at scripture, not looking for God, but looking for him as a father. Amen? Here, let me share you this. Um, this came up while we were doing praise and worship. I did not share this during the, uh, the first, uh, first service. <clears throat> Today, with all of this that's happening with us, the COVID-19, the economy, perhaps you're going through a difficult time also with your health or anything like that. Whenever we Christians go through that, we usually say, oh, I'm going to a battle, right? Do you agree? That's how we say it. We're going through a battle, right? Okay, you guys don't want to agree. <laughs> We're going through a battle. How many times? Because, uh, uh, and we do. We call it a spiritual battle. We call it a battle. You know, in the book of Kings, in the natural, Israel will always go to a battle. You know what God would tell Israel? God will tell Israel, the battle is mine. So what do you do when God said it's mine? You give it to the Lord. We spoke of tithes earlier. The tithes is the Lord. So what do we do with the tithes? We give it to the Lord. So when God tells you the battle is mine, what do you do? You give the battle to God. And in the book of Kings, every battle that God said the battle is mine, they were victorious. In reality, they didn't do anything. So what happens after a, a battle? What do you get? You get spoils of war. You get looty or booty and loots, right? You get all the treasures that the enemy has left. Now, because God said the battle is mine, who should that belong to, the spoils? Naturally, it should belong to the guy that went to the battle, right? But no, who gets the spoils? The nation got the spoiled. So it just blew my mind. It's like, God, send me into the battle. I'll go to the battle. No, mean, meaning that the battle is the Lord, but the spoils of the battle belongs to us. What does that mean? So when we go to spiritual battle, when God says, this is my battle, give it to me, then give it to God and watch, rest and watch God do the battle. But when all the battle is done, all the spoils goes to us. Ever seen that before? So that's why now my attitude is, Lord, come on, Lord, give it to me. <laughs> Uh, hopefully, I don't take more, much more than I, can, uh, than I can chew, right? Lord, give me that mountain, Lord. Okay, I will go and take that mountain. Give me the battle because there's, my motivation now is, Lord, there's so much spoils on the, in the battle that you're, you're allowing us to, to go through, but yet the battle is not really ours. What was my point again? Okay, so what was the key? What was Jesus' key that he was able to live a life on earth? And, and that's, <clears throat> the key is that. The key is that what God has shown me that if you would, would uh, behold me as a father, then that will, you know what will that do to you? Then you will begin to see yourself as a child, as a son, and a daughter of God. And that's what John was saying. It says that, and we behold, or we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. Jesus was with God. Or the word was with God, the word was God, but yet here it says he is the begotten son. In another chapter in John, he says that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the who? To the Father. Why didn't he say no one comes to God? If he was with God. Instead, what did he say? No one comes to the Father except through me. Because Jesus was really trying to declare God as a father because he was the son. And that is the key to living a victorious life, to be able to conquer everything, is what we know that God is a father to us, that, and we have gone through a long series in 
Romans, and in Romans we, we, we have known that because of what Christ has done for us, we are now in him. So therefore, because we are now in Christ, whatever is true of Christ is true of us. So however the Father treats Christ is how the Father treats us. How the Father loves Christ is the same way the Father loves us. So that's what I did when God showed me that uh, the center hub of all my names is the name Father. And I made that conscious decision to change the way I pray. I began changing the way I call him. I would always call God Father. Now, is it wrong that we, that we don't call uh, God Father? It's okay. But you, you know what? The world also knows God as God. And I said this early this morning, and that's why many people don't like going to church because their understanding of God is God is a God of justice. And that's why when people go to church, they bring a sacrifice of blood. A sacrifice of blood meaning they come to God asking for forgiveness. Now, as, new, uh, uh, as believers, we also bring God's sacrifice, but what is the sacrifice that we bring to him? A sacrifice of praise, thanksgiving. That's what we bring. That's why the key to how Jesus was able to walk the earth while he was 100% human was that he was in constant fellowship with his father. He knew exactly who he is. He is the son of God and his father is his father. And the third one is he's got the Holy Spirit. Again, in the book of Romans, we have spoken about that, that everything, all the gifts of the Holy Spirit we have access to. And that's why knowing who we are, knowing who Christ is, and that's why John said this, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, is it wrong that we only behold God as God? No, it's all right. But I'm showing you that there's something so much greater, that we are being called, we've been given the right to be called child of God, children of God. Amen? And that's up to you. All right? Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that who we are in you Father, thank you for the revelation of who Jesus is to us. That because he is the Son of God, that because he is your Son, that we are in him, therefore, we can always see you as a Father to us. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just ask and I just pray for us right now. Father, I pray for our church. I just pray, Father, that we, as, uh, as we grow in this uh, new year, I just pray, Father, that we would make that conscious decision that we would begin to see you, not just a God, not just the God, but a Father to us. And Father, I pray that you would begin to open our eyes to see that there's much more that we have in you. There's so much more. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for today. I just pray, Father, that uh, as we exit today, as we, as we go about, I pray that you continue to protect us, keep us, bless us, have your way in our lives, and continue to draw us into you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. You're dismissed, church. See you again next week. And I'm rising up with you. Rising up with you. Rising up with you. Rising up with you. You take me high on the wings of your truth. Yes, I'm rising up with you. i